This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host, Ian Turner. On today's show, my guest is Ryan Ferris from Beacon Bloom. But first, I'd love for you to subscribe to Garden of Sound. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on the subscribe button, or you can listen every week via Spotify. As I said about 30 seconds ago, today's guest is the exceptionally talented Ryan Ferris. He grew up in Kaiapoi and spent most of his early musical life on the guitar. He spent four years at Ara Music Arts honing his craft before the wanderlust kicked in and he found himself in Europe being exposed to new musical influences. Cue the founding of Beacon Bloom, a Christchurch-based electronica outfit created to move people emotionally and physically. But will 2019 be the year Beacon Bloom bursts out of New Zealand and onto the international stage? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Ferris on Plains FM 96.9. Ryan, I want to talk about uh, your first musical memory. I don't actually know, but it, I think it is a one of those mobiles that hangs above a cot. I vaguely remember it being yellow and slowly spinning, and it played some tune. I have no idea what it was. It was either that or it was the music box in my dad's holiday house, which played the tune La Vie en Rose. And... Yeah, those two things. It would have either been one of those two things or my dad himself playing guitar and singing. Did your dad do anything professionally or was it just a just a hobby? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a professional still. He he he's played for 30, 40 years. So, yeah, he played a lot of nursery rhymes, Puff the Magic Dragon and things like that when I was younger, so they're always favorites. What about pop music coming as an influence from your father? Anything else that springs to mind? Well, the Beatles for sure. Yeah, the Beatles are his favourite band. And so a lot of Beatles, Beatles and the Bee Gees were the two I remember the most uh, from pop, for the pop side of things. So was there an overt push for you to be involved in music or was it just something that you felt felt drawn to? There was a push, which I enjoyed for a while and then I decided I didn't want to do music. And then I got to high school, developed quite an ego as a young 13 year old and I turned out to be one of the best guitarists in the class and then therefore oh suddenly I wanted to do music again mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know people always say that the ego is a bad thing but I think the ego was a very important and good thing for me to have a, a very uh, out there ego as a as a young teenager in high school because it drove me to practice a lot and learn, become a lot better at music so anyone that you looked up to or aspired to to be like in in the guitar world I was a I was the biggest Metallica fan you ever meet back then. I just wanted to make uh, thrash music. <laughs> What's your favorite Metallica song? Um, I don't know, probably something off of um, off of Master of Puppets that that album. I don't really don't really have a favorite to be honest. I don't listen to them anymore, but <laughs> it was that was the big influence in high, in high school. Were there any other instruments? Well, I I only wanted to play guitar, and I think I learnt a bit of a little bit of drums and bass and a little bit of piano but then when it got to level one music or level two music there was compulsory singing lessons which I was very against and tried my utmost to avoid and then the 
then I got into the singing lessons and the, the teacher whose name was Helen Charlton, she's an absolute saint. And uh, she, she was, she made me feel so comfortable and drew singing out of me. And then, yeah, then I was away and then my guitar skills went down and my singing skills went up. Where did you go to school? Kaipo High School. Okay. Yeah. Which, okay. which we were very fortunate to have a very good music department, actually, which was kind of Emily C. Browning. Yes. 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 She's, was she one of your she was contemporaries? Day. Yeah, she's the same year as me and a, and a good friend of mine. Fantastic. Yeah. You talk about Metallica and sort of thrash, death, speed, metal, and <laughs> varieties of sort of very dark, fast, heavy things. Um, when did your sort of musical tastes begin to expand? Was there a moment or was there something that you were turned on to? It was definitely when I started singing and then when I discovered Jeff Buckley through a friend of mine who had a very large music taste and I checked out Jeff Buckley and everyone has heard Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley which is it's it's wonderful but I thought oh that's cool but then I checked out some of his original music and it's far better this is a song called Last Goodbye I heard that on the first listen of that I was I was drawn in and completely converted and then I became a I just wanted to I just wanted to be like him so that really changed from got me away from Metallica and the thrash stuff into a lot more um yeah, harmonic music, I suppose. What's your feeling on Idols dying too soon? Do you think he would have gone on to become even more amazing than he already was? I'm not sure. Most bands don't remain relevant and good throughout their whole career. There's only a handful I could name on one hand that have managed to do that. So I don't know. I, I have no idea. He could have. He could have somehow... Like radio, he had managed to shift with the tide and and done incredible things, or maybe he would have fallen into some kind of a era hole and, and become less relevant, and, and also maybe would have potentially lost his vocal skills, which happens to some people. And then, yeah, he's he's definitely more of a legend for for dying in a way, which is it's just the way it goes. It's like Amy Winehouse, it's like Kurt Cobain, it's like all those guys. Yeah, and taking in his dad's footsteps. Yeah. So we've gone through the uh, musical education. Um, was that all there was for, for Ryan, just the music, or did you want to do anything else? Uh, well, after school, my plan was to study music for one year and then go do business because that was the sensible thing to do. And who was telling you to do that? Was it Ryan no. telling you to do that, or was it mum and dad? Uh, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't mum and dad. It was... Um, it was just a societal thing. They were they were happy for me to do whatever I wanted, which was really nice. They were very supportive. But no, it was just a societal thing that somehow had brushed upon me. But then after one year into music school, there's no way I was going to go to business school. I stayed there for for four years at the CPIT J school. What was the what was the highlight of those four years? I know it's difficult to to pick one. What was the biggest takeaway from the from the course? The most valuable thing I got from that school was all my friends there to be honest. And then they're also musos. So I've played music with a lot of those guys and learned a lot from them and them and growing with them. So, I mean, the I learned a lot at the school as well, but I probably got a lot more out of the people that I met there, to be honest. Yeah. We talked about Metallica and we talked about Jeff Buckley. Any other uh, artists that have sort of influenced your, your current sound of Beacon Bloom? There's a ton. Uh, there's one that we, yeah, we might talk about a little bit later, but there's a, there's a guy called Jay Views. I think his real name is Jonathan Dagan. He's an Israeli producer and he's this very um, busy and very unique producer uh, who was very inspiring to me. 
living over in uh, I, I lived in Berlin for some years so there was a bunch of influence from there not necessarily from one band but just from the whole techno electronic scene over there the groovy dance music thing sort of just bled its way into me and uh and made that but bonobo which is a he's a british producer who uh saw live at laneway last year january last year which was incredibly inspiring to see he's also he, he mixes electronic music with world music as is as not all of the songs but a lot of them are mixed with world music and it's very inspiring to me is there a track from any of those artists which you'd like to play now well yeah we can we can play one uh which fits into the genre of chill wave which was a thing maybe nine years ago or so um and it's called salty air and it's by j views and it's just a very the name the title evokes the the feeling of the song is very warm and wavy and summery and feels like you're in the middle of a hot desert dancing and you know in the early evening or something so let's check it out
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Ferris from Beacon Bloom on Plains FM 96.9. I want to talk about concerts and gigs, Ryan. Um, what was the first one you ever ever got along to? The first one I can remember that is probably, if it wasn't one of my dad's uh, gigs, it would be in primary school, probably six years old or so, or seven, and one of the high school bands came and played for the primary school, um, one of the guys from guys from Kaipu High, and I believe they played Aerials by System of a Down, and I thought that was so cool. I was very inspired by that. Um, so very early on, there was that sort of heavy, yeah, heavy feel. Yeah, it was that sort of. Do you remember the name there. of the band? No, no, no clue. I think the guy might have had dreads. Yeah, but that's all. And this <laughs> is just classic. A band from Kaipu High School. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. What's something that stood out in your mind that's really inspired you as an as an adult, perhaps that you've seen? Maybe the the one that I mentioned just before, the Bonobo one up in up at Laneway. We we managed to get right up the front by the huge subs, and it was the last act of the evening. And just seeing how a band he's he's an electronic producer and how he managed to to do that with a full band, with a full drummer, with horn players and a vocalist and keys and he played bass himself on it and it still had that really nice electronic feel to it but but was definitely a live thing i said well if they can do it then i can do it so that was that was incredibly inspiring that really kicked off my creative juice earlier last year which got me yeah got everything got that ball rolling really overall what is your favorite sort of festival there's a really magical one that i've attended a couple of times called familiar forest in belgium and it belongs to this class of festivals called transformational festivals. So Burning Man and, and all of those kind of out there ones, they're all fit into this camp. And the idea is they're usually a bit more, they're not mainstream. They're not um, they're usually in, on private land in the middle of nowhere somewhere. So it's slight anarchist feel and it's a, it feels a lot more free. There aren't all these huge gates and security and, all this craziness to get into there and all these all these rules and regulations there are rules within itself it's sort of self they're sort of self-governing and people are really respectful of that but it's uh it's a place where people come and there's there's workshops and there's there's music and there's art and there's people dress up and wear crazy outfits and they express themselves and people seem to feel very free there and it's a certain type of person that goes to those events and you meet all these like-minded people and yeah often they're in nature and yeah it's it's just those kind of events are much they're, they're really magical somehow and really capture the the good parts of the human spirit which i don't get at all at mainstream festivals what's been your most favorite gig that you've played favorite one would be the one that because we played at that familiar forest one in in belgium and the first one that i went to i went to with a friend of mine her name is, is Danielle. She's an Israeli friend of mine who lives in Berlin and she's an incredible singer and she's basically an angel. She's the loveliest, awesomest person, one of, the, one of my favorite people. And we put together a little set of some of my songs and some of her songs and sang most of them in two-part harmony, just with an acoustic guitar and a little synth. At I think our set was at two in the morning or three in the morning around the bonfire and there's about 50 people there uh, in, the, in the middle of the forest, uh, in the middle of nowhere in Belgium. And that was just something incredibly magical and amazing about that and we all felt the vibe and we, we performed really really well and yeah that was that's probably my one of my favorite 
performance experiences. And on the other end of the scale, has there been anything you've looked back on and gone, no, I never want that that to happen again? Yes, I I did a tour. I, I booked my own acoustic solo tour around. I traveled all the way from Berlin to the south of France in a Japanese family car that I bought for 600 euros. And I managed to book myself something like 20 tour dates or 25 or something. And I didn't, I didn't, because I didn't really know what I was doing. I had some, sometimes I'd have six hours drive. So I'd play, play a show, sleep, wake up, drive six hours and then play another show and then sleep and then do the same thing the next day and only on my own. So driving on your own for six hours or seven hours uh, without so much sleep. And then you've got the social, uh, social aspect after the gig and some drinks and then you just, so you don't really sleep properly. And then you're driving all that time. Then you've got to, I can't sit, my vo- voice does, does not work when I'm on that, I'm that um, tired. So there were a bunch of shows there, which I've seen recordings of and I'm like, ugh. and some of them are online and it's like, ugh. so I would, yeah, that was not so wise. And then I got really sick after that tour. So it was amazing, but it was, uh, it was a bit silly. <laughs> so you do have a great voice. How do you keep yourself in um, in tip-top shape? Thank you. I have really cut back drinking. I used to drink quite a lot. And alcohol, I've, I've discovered that alcohol really messes with my voice, as does uh, any kind of sedentary behavior. So lack of exercise, uh, lack of water. I need a lot of water and I need a lot of sleep. I unfortunately have a very uh, temperamental vocal vocal cords that just if anything's wrong they, they'll complain at me and i won't better perform as well some people seem to have these incredibly resilient ones like eddie vetter from pearl jam can drink two bottles of red wine on stage pretty much every night of his tour and still sing pretty well but unfortunately that isn't me so advice wise apart from the you know take care of yourself and don't overextend anything else you'd say to to young ryan before he he sets out on his international journeys to to look out for or not to do or something that you you should have done more of if this is a time machine scenario i wouldn't even go there because then i wouldn't be who i am now every every single mistake and bad experience that i had made me stronger and contributed to my knowledge that i have now so and i'm happy with where i am at the moment so i wouldn't change anything to be completely honest that's a very fortunate position to be in yeah on that note um let's talk about some great music out in the world is there a favorite track that you've kept with you always or maybe something that's uh floating your boat at the moment (laughs) as it were there's a there's a song called kiss from a rose by seal it's very famous as a pop song i think it's one of the greatest pop songs ever written in the pop genre because of the arrangement, the vocal performance, it's got a whole orchestra, uh, the harmony is incredible, it's just a really, and it's produced amazingly and recorded amazingly, just every aspect of it as a pop song and pop performance is just wonderful, so I, I just love that song, that's just, if it, if, to choose one out of the pop genre it would have to be Kiss from Rose by Seal. the light 
on the dark side of me Love remains a drug that's high enough the pill But did you know that when it snows My eyes become large And the light that you shine can't be seen A man can tell you so much he can say You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain Baby, to me you're like a grown addiction that I can't deny Won't you tell me is that healthy, baby? But did you know that when it snows My eyes become large and the light that you shine can't be seen So much a man can tell me, so much he can say You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain To me you're like a grown addiction that I can't deny Now won't you tell me is that healthy baby But did you know that when it snows My eyes become a large and the light that you shine can't be seen
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Ferris on Plains FM 96.9. Thanks for being here today. You've got to love a giveaway, and I have a pair of tickets to see Marlon Williams at the Christchurch Town Hall Sunday, March 3rd. The show will surely be a sellout. It's a great chance for you to see the newly refurbished and iconic space too. To be in with a chance to win that pair of tickets, just visit gardenofsound.nz and click on Marlon's image on the front page. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Ferris from Beacon Bloom on Plains FM 96. Point nine. Now, you've talked about going over to Europe. When did Beacon Bloom come into existence as a thing? Since I moved to Germany, it's been floating around in my head probably a year after I went there. I think I went there in 2014 or so. So, not as the name, but as the concept of the thing. It was something that was just emerging and sitting in my head, but I didn't have the... Back then, I didn't have the the studio or the skills or the knowledge or any of that stuff to actually get what was in my head out in a way that I was satisfied with. So it's been floating around for years. So two questions here. One is uh, where does Beacon Bloom come from, the name itself? And the second one is uh, the entity. Why not Why not just Ryan Ferris going out and, and being being Ryan? There was a, it was a dark night in Rakai with my friend Royce and I remember he put up he held up his torch and in the middle of Rakai there was just dozens and dozens of moths vortex, vortexing around this this beam of light it was quite an epic image and so I think beacon came from torch and mm-hmm. uh, bloom came from you know light spreading so it's kind of like light spreading it's just, it's kind of sounds really lame if you put it like that but so why not uh, why not just Ryan Ferris. Well, I figured any project that I would do would require more than myself, more people involved. John Mayer still needs Steve Jordan and and Palladino to play with him or whoever else he's he's doing. He still uses producers. He still uses all these other people. So if it's just him and his acoustic guitar and he's recorded himself, that's John Mayer. If it's him with his, with the band, it's more than John Mayer. I mean, he's the, he's the feature, but that's the way I looked at it and I didn't want to be it's all about me and, and don't who are these other guys that no one even knows their names half the time so but surely with such a healthy ego or have things changed since high school I would hope things have changed I think the high school me was you could ask Emily about that <laughs> Ryan Ferris would probably eventually be the some kind of a folky outlet when I'm a bit older and go back to those roots some folky acoustic music but something different and something that's separate from what people associate with Ryan Ferris is, was needed. So, and something that's that's obviously going to require more than myself to to uh, to realise. There's already a bunch of famous Ryans out there too. Yeah, so, there are. There's so many. There's like I think there's about 18 Ryan Ferris's on Facebook. Wow. I added them all one day. Wow. And sent them a group message and said, "Evening, fellas." Yeah. What was the response to that? Half of them left the group. A few of them replied. One wrote, "There can be only one." And uh, yeah, that's. And then I ended up getting because they were all my friends. I ended up getting these weird messages from their relatives saying, "Please come home and stuff." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> I'm not, I'm the wrong Ryan Ferris." <laughs> There's definitely a song in that. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Kit. You talked about um, uh, being a guitarist. Is there anything that you absolutely you know couldn't live without in terms of your music creating process? 
Well, I compose mostly on the guitar, but uh, these days my laptop and Ableton, Ableton itself is basically an instrument. It's an incredible piece of software. And I've tried all of the DAWs, all of the recording software things, basically all of them, Pro Tools, Logic, Cubase, Reaper, you name it, tried it. But something about Ableton, it's intuitive and it's just built to create electronic music and it does it very, very well. And it's very, very fun. Even if I'm not composing, it's fun. So I could play a video game for an hour and hour or I could play on Ableton and that's often much more what I do because it's it's fun. <laughs> it's, it's incredible that they made something that's fun. And what kind of guitar are you playing most of the time? I play a Breedlove Acoustic, which is a fantastic workhorse and i play a i have a fender squire tally that i've modded and that i'm going to put some seymour duncan pickups in and i've, I've replaced all the hardware so it's sort of this frankenstein telecaster guitar which which is pretty cool i think it's probably time to listen to something that you've you've written is there a particular track that we should listen to now well the only one that's that's ready for listening to is a song called jobim that song came from inspiration from a friend of mine. His name's Christopher Norris. He's also a electronic producer here in Christchurch. And he's quite inspiring because he's always trying new things. And he told me, hey, man, why don't you try getting a high-quality sample of something and then just making a song around it? He kind of challenged me. So I was up in Hanmer Springs after I'd done a gig in a cafe with a lot of coffee, and it was storming outside. And I... I was listening a lot to Antonio Jobim, who is the famous Brazilian composer who composed The Girl from Ipanina, uh, and a wonderful album called Stoneflower, which I which I really love. So I went and looked up Stoneflower, got some samples from that, and then completely messed with them, so you can't even you don't even know what that is. But that's what that you'll hear in the song. There's this do 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 do. That's a really sped up and crazily modified sample from one of his songs. And I sat in the cafe and, and, and found that, and that, that had its own inherent groove to it somehow. And then I built a track around that. Lyrically, it comes from, I kind of like to stay quite rationally grounded in, in the real world and in, in, uh, yeah, in, in my day-to-day life. And then in art, it's quite fun to, to explore the more ethereal uh, realms. So the lyrics in this one are... They're to do with belief. I think belief's very fascinating that people can believe all sorts of different things and it will completely change their behavior and their experience of life in, in the world and in the universe. And so this song is about somebody who uh, who's afraid of, of things sort of taking them taking them away or sort, or sort of someone that will entertain this notion that uh, some kind of spirit or entity would uh, would influence their life and, and warn them of these other entities that will steal their sanity away. So that's sort of something that just sort of sprung out of me randomly and that was and uh, when I was improvising over the track and and yeah, I quite like the, the images that it evokes and it seems to fit with the music. <laughs> Thank you. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Ryan Ferris of Beacon Bloom. Ryan, uh, I want to talk about, well, we've just listened to Jobin, which is absolutely amazing track. There is so much going on in that. Um, what's your best musical memory of all time or the most rewarding thing that you've worked on? You know, you've talked about huge experiences all over the, all over the world. When I went to jazz school, I made friends with a girl called Shanalia, who has also been on this show, I think. She's also a good friend of mine. And we, this is when the neo-folk revival was going on with Mumford and & Sons and Fleet Foxes and Bonnie Vere and all these bands. And so I decided I wanted to create a, a folk band, a neo-folk band, with her as a, as a singer, because I wasn't, still wasn't quite confident as a singer, lead singer myself, and my other friend Jordan on drums. And we created this band called Motions and Memories. There were two amazing memories from that. One of them was there was behind my house in Huntsbury Hill, there was a giant water reservoir made of concrete holding millions of liters of water. And after the earthquake, it all the water drained out and it was empty and they were working on it and fixing it. And I snuck in there one day and the reverb inside of that place was insane. It was about eight, ten second long reverb or maybe even longer and sounded like when you get a reverb plug in your in your music software and then you turn it on fully wet and really really long and then it's this really really incredible um long reverb which sounded really otherworldly so we snuck in there with a film crew one night and the, the construction crew had uh nicely enough left the floodlights on for us and we snuck in there one night and recorded one of our songs in this reverb and it's on youtube and it's that was really amazing that same song the studio version uh i gave to a member of mumford and sons because we managed to find them after their show when they played here in christchurch i gave it to the bass player and not expecting anything back and he sent me back this email saying that he loved the song that it was very genuine and sincere and if they were coming back to to let him know and, and all this sort of stuff and for me i think i was maybe 18 or 19 and Mumford and Sons were my favorite band. That was a really wow. One of the members of Mumford and Sons really liked the song that I wrote and the, and the band that I'm, that I'm doing this <coughs> doing this in. And yeah, that was that was quite mind blowing for me at that in that period. So that some really nice moments with that project. So what happened to the um, to the neo folk stuff? Well, we had one one really good song on an EP and. Uh, it didn't really work out. We ended up in different directions, and the drummer left, and Shanalee wanted to do her Jimmy own thing. quit. Joni got married. Yeah, basically, yeah. that kind of a thing happened, yeah. and uh, yeah, and and it, that's <coughs> just didn't work out, and that's fine. That's just the way things go. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about unfulfilled musical goals uh, or things that you'd like to do in the future. What's um, what's out there? Something you really want to want to make happen. Musically, I want to I want to take Beacon Bloom on the Australasian festival circuit and on the European festival circuit. That's the that's the main goal, and get the music out to a bunch of people and continue to write really really good music that I'm proud of and and uh, yeah, that would be that would be amazing and, and ideal really. Are there any particular festivals, whether in Australasia or Europe, that you're identifying? Do you want to get back to Belgium? Is that sort of Beacon Bloom scene with the familial fang? We could potentially play there. That would be a really nice one. I don't really 
there aren't too many festivals in particular, but as long as I'm playing at a cool place with people that really enjoy the music, that's, and a lot of them, <laughs> that's, that's the key, I reckon. And finally, for this Garden of Sound interview, Ryan, um, is there anyone that you, uh, that you want to work with or perhaps, I don't know, um, get a little more sort of musical education from down the track, somebody you'd love to sit in with? We played a song earlier by Jonathan Dagan, also known as J Views, and I also mentioned Bonobo. So if I could ever end up in their studio watching their process and how they record things and how they mix and produce things, if I could watch them from a whole track start to finish, that would be absolutely amazing and a dream. Yeah, I don't know if that will ever happen, but I, that's that's a that's not a dream of mine. Ryan, it's been really cool to chat to you, and you know we've been sitting here sort of very critically listening to some to some stuff. Is there a um, is there a song you want to take us out with today that we can have a good old listen to? Yeah, there's a song called "Everyone Acts Crazy Nowadays" by a New Zealand band, or well, New Zealand and American bands called Unknown Mortal Orchestra, and this is a disco-y, quite summery sounding song with a dark theme, which I always like when it mixes these two things. And I love it, and I, it's been an inspiration for me to create some more disco sort of sounds in the future. So, yeah, let's check it out. <laughs>
Before I move on to my track of the week, I just want to play you a snippet of a new track from Beacon Bloom, recorded live at the Beacon Bloom launch party back in November. This is Materia.
That was just a snippet of materia from Beacon Bloom. You can find out more about Beacon Bloom by heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on their image on the homepage. From there, you can get links to more of their music and a bespoke Spotify playlist featuring practically all of the tracks and artists we talked about today. On to my track of the week. I try and keep it local most of the time, but this particular song's been going around in my head for the last couple of months. The group is Fiddler, who I thought was from the UK, but it turns out they're from LA, and they've been around since 2009. They've recently released their third studio album, Almost Free, and here's the first single from that, Can't You See. Fiddler with Can't You See. Thanks for being with me today on the show and thanks also to my guest Ryan Ferris of Beacon Bloom. Remember, those Marlon Williams tickets are up for grabs. Just head to gardenersound.nz, click on Marlon's picture to be in to win. I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. Hi there.